Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. On the program today, our host Larry Spargimino and staff evangelist James Collins will look at headlines from the end times. But first, author and pastor Doug Stoffer looks inside scripture to discover if the church will go through the tribulation. I was blessed to be a part of a new book that was recently published by Beacon Street Press titled, Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation? In the book, several authors examine different sections of the Bible to answer the question, Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation? Joining me today on The Watchman on the Wall is one of those authors, Doug Stauffer. Doug is an internationally recognized authority in the fields of Bible history, apologetics, and prophetic studies. He is a very prolific author, having written 18 books, including the best-selling one-book series. He is also the pastor of Faith Independent Baptist Church in Niceville, Florida, and I'm very excited to have him on The Watchman on the Wall with me today. Doug, welcome back to the program. Hey, James. Good to be here. Looking forward to a great program, and the subject area is right up my alley. Well, you know, Doug, it's been a while since you've been on the show, so for those listeners who may not be familiar with you, I'd like for you to just take a few minutes to share your story. How did you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I got saved in 1980 while I was in the Air Force in the city where I am now pastoring after 40 years. I you know, was on the road in January of 19, looked at my wife in the motorhome, said, hey, I think God's dealing about getting back in the pastorate, and we had 30,000 miles January through May we were doing. Then in February, came through here. They were looking for a pastor. I became pastor in June of 19, and it has been a tremendous time. So I'm full circle around. I've written a couple of more books, actually up to 21 right now, and I've written one since being pastor. I think you mentioned it the other day. Tribulation Salvation, right, Jesus uh-huh. Still Saves. This book was the first prophecy book that I wrote with you all from Southwest. Wrote one chapter in it, and then I got all these offers to speak at the conferences, things like that, so I had to continue to expand my understanding until now. I've you know, written probably well over you know, 1,500 pages on prophecy. The new edition of Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation features contributions from Noah Hutchings, Bob Glaze, Steve Butler, Larry Spargimino, and Kenneth Hill. You and I also wrote chapters for the book. Now, the reason behind the book was to defend the doctrine of the rapture. Why do you think, Doug, the rapture is so attacked today? Well, I think there's just a lot of confusion. I think God allowed the Bible to be written in such a way that if a person wants to disbelieve it, and is faced with the truth, and they decide that, you know, it cost them too much to change their position or believe that they could be wrong, God will let them stay in their air. So it's written in that way to where it's a book you have to study, you have to believe, you have to put in the time to get out of it what's in it, because it's not like reading a novel and it starts off with a story and then ends with a story that you can just look at in between and go, oh, yeah, it just flowed right through. It's not the way it works. What happens is the Bible's written so that if a student doesn't go to it believing, he will not come out with the right answer. And so a lot of the people that are against the pre-tribulation rapture have a post- or a mid-trib position based on things like Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 
where it seems to teach that, but in fact there's not one verse in the Bible that teaches anything but a pre-tribulation rapture. Well, I find more and more people do have a limited understanding of the Bible, and particularly of Bible prophecy. Why do you think it is that more churches don't teach on Bible prophecy? Well, I think that a lot of pastors don't have the time to put into studying it, and because there is so much controversy concerning it, they're afraid to stick their neck out and take a position. And so that's why we write the books and we do the materials and you get on the radio and programs like you do because we've got to sound the alarm. Because if people aren't looking for Jesus, then they need to be looking for the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, and then you get all kinds of people talking about, you know, the virus is this and the shot is this and it's the mark. And No, it's just these are all precursors to what's going to happen after the church is gone. Well, since we have so many people out there with a limited understanding of Bible prophecy, let's start with some basics. Would you explain the seven-year tribulation period? Well, the seven years is Daniel's 70th week. You find that in the book of Daniel, and it's weeks of years. So it's 70 years times seven, and 69 of those weeks of years has already taken place up to the death of Christ. There's still one week of years left, that's seven years, and it's split in two, three and a half years and another three and a half years, and that's where the confusion comes many times, because people read their beliefs into it. But when you read it and understand, listen, this is Israel, this is the nation and the people, and it is not the church. The church can't be here. Believers are gone at the rapture. And after that time, there are no believers on this earth, and then God uses the 144,000 Jewish male virgins to evangelize. The two witnesses will evangelize. And then there's going to be an angel flying through the heavens with the everlasting gospel. So things that are different are not the same. So they are not going to be what we have going on right now. If the rapture doesn't happen before Daniel's 70th week, then we don't need to be looking for Jesus, and that is a pitfall to Christianity. Because those that are looking for Jesus, the Bible says that they will live godly because of his expectant return. I expect him, he could return today. There's nothing stopping him, tonight, tomorrow. What type of person does that make me? Well, I'm anticipating his return. I'm planning as though I'm going to be here a while, living as though he could come back today. Well, now, it's not the rapture that signals the start of the tribulation, but instead it's the ratification or the making, the signing, the treaty that the Antichrist forges with the nation of Israel. Is that correct? Yes, that is. There could be a gap in between the rapture and that signing of the treaty. We don't know because the Bible is not explicit. And there are some time frames that are discussed in Daniel which indicate that there could be some type of gap in between the two. So it's not the rapture that does that. We do know that the rapture ends what we call the church age. And so that ends at that point in time because the church is no longer here. The church is no longer God's focal point on earth. We are his focal point in heaven at that time. How would you answer the critic, Doug, who would say the church has always faced persecution and tribulations? Why then should they not go through the tribulation? I would say we are facing tribulation and will face tribulation more and more as time goes on, because the Bible says 
men will wax worse and worse. So how bad is man going to get before the rapture? He's going to get worse. So that is a legitimate argument that we're not escapist. It's not an escapist doctrine. When I did a debate not long ago, one of the things that I brought up was that tribulation worketh patience. In other words, tribulation is something that we experience by being a Christian. All those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So we're going to have persecution, tribulation on this earth, and it's going to escalate as time continues, and the longer we're here, the worse it's going to get. However, that doesn't mean that we're going to be here during Daniel's 70th week. One of the reasons that I call it Daniel's 70th week so much, rather than the tribulation period, is because tribulation is from Genesis through, you know, Revelation. It's not something that's just a period. So I still call it the tribulation period because it's well known and you have to speak in terminology that people can understand. But it's Daniel's 70th week. That is Israel, Israel, Israel. That's the main reason why we won't be here, plus the fact that there isn't a verse in the Bible that teaches anything but a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. If you're just joining us, my guest is Doug Stauffer, and we're talking about the brand new edition of the book, Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation? You can get a copy by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. Doug, will you explain to our listeners the four major viewpoints concerning the rapture in relation to Daniel's 70th week, to the tribulation? You have the post-tribulation rapture. That means that the church isn't going to leave until after the full seven years. You have the pre-wrath, which means that the teaching is that the church will go through part of Daniel's 70th week, but be raptured before the wrath of God on those that are on earth. And then you have the mid-tribulation rapture, which is just the three and a half years, and then at the middle the rapture happens. And then you have the true teaching of the Bible. You have the pre-tribulation rapture, which just is the church will go through no part of that seven years on this earth. We're not appointed under wrath, which is why, you know, many just look at the pre-wrath, but the problem is they go to things like Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and they don't realize that that's a chronological outline there. The rapture happens in verse 1. Around verse 4, you have the middle of the seven years, and then around verse 7 or 8, you've got the end. So you have two three-and-a-half-year gaps there. If you follow the chronology, the only thing in that chronology that has to happen first is a falling away first gap of three-and-a-half years, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposing all himself, you know, he sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. We know that's the middle, but the thing where that word first is, is only the falling away. It doesn't say, I'll ask people, I'll say, well, what has to happen? Well, two things have to happen, the falling away and the man of sin be revealed first. I said, that's not what the Bible says. It says, falling away first and the man of sin be revealed. Right. Three and a half year gap right there. That one point could eliminate all the confusion on the ace that they think that they hold in their false teachings, saying that we're going to have you know these two events happen before the rapture. That's not what the Bible teaches. You mentioned the rapture being imminent, and by imminent we mean it could happen at any moment. So isn't the pre-tribulation view the only view that makes sense considering the imminent return of Jesus Christ? 
Right. There is no imminency without looking for Jesus coming back first. And that is what we're told to do. We're supposed to be watching, waiting, and working. Supposed to be watching for Jesus, waiting for Jesus, and working while we're here to be good ambassadors of Jesus Christ, to get the gospel around the world, to talk to others about how Christ died for them, etc., how he shed his blood, how he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. That's what we're supposed to be doing. If we are supposed to be looking for the two witnesses or the 144,000, I'll tell you where I'd be. I'd be in Israel, and I'd find a way to get over there because that's where it's all going to happen. No, if I go to Israel, I'm just going to be raptured out from there. Nothing is going to happen before Jesus Christ comes back. When he comes back, church is gone, and then everything changes after that. The Apostle Paul wrote in Titus 2.13 that we should be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What would be blessed or hopeful about suffering through seven years of tribulation? That's exactly right, and because we're looking for that hope, it says in verse 12, right before you quoted that, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, colon, looking for that blessed hope. The only thing we're supposed to be looking for is that blessed hope. Amen, yes. And what is the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ? Let me make a point here, delving in a little bit deeper here. When it says the great God and our Savior, that's one person. Who are we looking for? The great God. It takes a personal relationship to make him Savior, and that's why that word, our Savior, Jesus Christ, that's why that word's there. It's one person we're looking for. He's the great God, and if you're saved, he's our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, in the chapter you wrote for Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation, you discuss pictures and types, specifically a contrast between the rapture and the second coming found in Enoch and Noah. Would you elaborate on that? Well, if you look at Enoch and Noah, Enoch was raptured out before the flood. Noah is on earth through the flood. So Enoch's a picture of the rapture. Noah's a picture of those that get saved during the tribulation, and God supernaturally protects them. One of the things that I like to delve a little bit further in that isn't in that particular book, it is in my tribulation salvation book, is that only those that are deceived will take the mark. Therefore, if God protects a man from deception, he will be protected from taking the mark. He won't take the mark. He won't be deceived. And if it be possible, he would deceive the very elect. That's the verse that I'm looking at and thinking about. Well, if God takes what your decision is to accept him, to trust in him, and he protects you from deception then a person in the tribulation will not be deceived. Those are the Noahs of the future. They are the ones that have trusted in God. In Noah's case, he proved it by building the ark. In the case of those in the tribulation, they will be the believers, and God will supernaturally protect them from deception. Therefore, they will not take the mark. You know, Doug, I was fascinated about the picture and type that you describe in Joshua. You really taught me something. I'd never heard that example before. Will you explain that example? Well, in Joshua chapter 6, Joshua is the sixth book of the Old Testament. It's named after a man, Joshua, of course. 
and it's the first time 666 shows up in type. So in the sixth book, Joshua, sixth chapter, sixth verse, you have what's called the seven trumpets. Well, the seven trumpets are in Revelation. Those trumpets that John talks about were not even understood or known by Paul. It was still a mystery in Paul's day because John hadn't written Revelation. However, those seven trumpets happened during the seven years. Well, if you were looking for a picture and type of the rapture and you believed it was pre-trib, you would think you would find it before the seven trumpets. And lo and behold, in the fifth verse, before the 666 shows up and the seven trumpets show up in Joshua 6.6, here's what you've got. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, so the Bible says the trump shall sound, all the people shall shout, remember there's going to be a shout, with a great shout, and a wall of the city shall fall down flat. And look at what it says. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. They're going to ascend up and go in the city. Well, we're going to ascend up into heaven at the rapture. So you got the trumpet, the shout, and ascending up. And if you compare that to the scripture on the rapture, you've got the same thing. There's a rapture with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. We're going to ascend up. So that picture's there for a reason, and all it takes is Bible study. You go in, read the Bible, study the Bible, and then what God does, he says, here's a nugget for you, and that's a big nugget he gave me. Amen. God's Word is amazing, isn't it? It is. Since we don't know... Doug, when the Lord will return, the question that people should be concerned about the most is, are you ready? So, Doug, would you take a moment and tell our listeners how they can get ready and escape the wrath to come? And that's very simple, and you know it, I know it, those that are saved know it. Simply what happened to me 40 years ago, somebody opened up the Bible, they showed me I was a sinner, they showed me that wages of sin is death, but then they told me a great second part. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. They showed me in the Bible where the Bible says it's a gift. Salvation isn't by works. It's not by how good I am, not how religious I am, not how much money I give or whether I've been baptized. All those things are works. And he says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. So it's mercy and grace, for by grace are ye saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's by grace, mercy, not of works. I trusted in Jesus Christ 40 years ago, and it changed my life so drastically. I went from a cussing, carousing, hellion of sorts. I was in the military in Florida. 18 was the drinking age. I was uh, about 20 years old. And everything changed on a dime. My life changed because Jesus Christ came into my life, came into my heart, changed everything about me, and gave me a new outlook on life, a new purpose. Really, I didn't have purpose before at all. He gave me a purpose, and he showed me his plan, and I have done my best to serve him now, well, 41 years now. Well, amen and amen. The book is called Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation? It features chapters by Noah Hutchings, Bob Glaze, Larry Spargimino, Steve Butler, Kenneth Hill, and my guest today, Doug Stoffer. You can get Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. Let me ask you, Doug, can you tell us what you're working on? What's your next project? Well, I am working 
working on several things, mostly video. We're going to set up a studio here and work on the video stuff. So I'll probably turn my books more into videos like I've done with a few of them in the past. I just haven't had any time to do that right now. Well, once you get that next project completed, we hope you'll come back on the Watchman on the Wall to talk with us about it. Thanks again for joining us. Get your copy of the book, Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation, for a gift of $20 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. You can also order this outstanding resource online, swrc.com. Larry Spargimino and James Collins are looking at the breaking news of the day in light of the Bible. Headlines from the End Times, here on Watchmen on the Wall. Welcome to Headlines from the End Times. In the days of the prophet Ezekiel, God said to appoint a man to stand guard on the wall. The watchman would scan the horizon for signs of danger. When an enemy was spotted making advances on the city, the watchman would sound an alarm. Each day we see more and more signs that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we seek to make sense of the nonsense and sound the alarm of the truth of Bible prophecy in current events. Our first story comes from Great Britain, where an article in British Vogue magazine asked the question, is having a baby in 2021 pure environmental vandalism? In the article, the author Neil Frizzell suggested that people should consider the current emergency of climate change before having children. Frizzell wrote, For the scientifically engaged person, there are few questions more troubling when looking at the current climate emergency than that of having a baby. Well, James, this is ridiculous. First of all, Vogue is a fashion magazine. What does this have to do with women's fashion? Second, this is fake news. Don't let them scare you. This wonderful planet will continue to survive and thrive. Don't waste your chance to be a parent because of fear-mongering. In other news, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America has elected the first openly transgender bishop in the denomination's history. Megan Rower, who uses the pronouns they and them rather than gender-specific terms, was elected and installed over the summer to head the California-based Sierra Pacific Synod. Although the ELCA is the largest Lutheran denomination in the United States, many congregations have left due to its increasingly non-biblical stances on theology and politics. In 2009, when the denomination voted to allow openly gay individuals to be ordained, hundreds of church members left the ELCA in protest. With the installment of this transgendered bishop, Many more church members have left the denomination. Look for this trend to continue as denominations become more worldly in these last days. Our next story comes from Italy, where a global summit of health experts met in Rome. The more than 4,000 scientists and physicians from around the world have signed a declaration condemning COVID public policymakers of, quote, crimes against humanity, close quote for restricting life-saving treatments and quashing debate and scientific inquiry. The healthcare professionals lamented that a one-size-fits-all approach to mitigation and treatment have resulted in needless illness and death. 
Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of the mRNA vaccine technology, which was used in the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, read the declaration at the Rome conference. He contends the COVID-19 vaccine should not be administered universally, but should target the most vulnerable because the shots pose both known and unknown risks for the healthy that outweigh potential benefits. In a similar story, one of America's top doctors believes that the COVID-19 vaccines should be pulled off the market immediately. Dr. Peter McCullough, who is a practicing internist, cardiologist, epidemiologist, and professor of medicine at the Baylor University School of Medicine in Dallas, has become a leading critic of the experimental COVID-19 vaccines. Dr. McCullough recently argued that COVID-19 genetic vaccines have an unfavorable safety profile and are not clinically effective, thus they cannot be generally supported in clinical practice at this time. I have been researching this topic for my new book that will be released in a few days, which is titled Needless Death, The Tragedy of an Out-of-Control Medical Bureaucracy and the Government's Attempt to Destroy America. The doctors who are saying the COVID-19 vaccines are more harmful than good are not fringe quacks. Dr. Peter McCullough is the editor-in-chief of two medical journals, He has 600 peer-reviewed publications to his name. Many have appeared in top-tier journals, such as the New England Journal of Medicine, Journal of the American Medical Association, and The Lancet. These are some of the world's top physicians who believe that the vaccines are too risky, particularly when you take into account that most people have a 99% survival rate and the availability of cheap, effective treatments for COVID-19, such as hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. We end this edition of Headlines from the End Times with a positive story from New Hampshire, where Governor Chris Sununu recently signed into law a bill that defines churches and other religious organizations as providers of essential services. The law, known as the New Hampshire Religious Liberty Act, says that the state shall allow religious organizations during a state of emergency to continue operating. The law says that churches are necessary and vital to the public health and welfare. The New Hampshire Religious Liberty Act was passed because of government shutdowns of churches during the COVID-19 pandemic. We could hope that the other 49 states would follow New Hampshire's lead on this. We believe that some will, but sadly, we also know there are some states that will never do anything that give churches their full freedom. That will wrap up this edition of Headlines from a Last Day's Perspective. For James Collins, this is Larry Spargimino leaving you with the words of the Apostle Paul, who said in Ephesians 5:15 and 16, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. In our resource center today, we have a three-book end times bundle. Will the church go through the tribulation, revelation for today, and 25 messianic signs for today? Each of these books separately is available for a gift of $20 or more. All three books together available for a gift of $45 or more. Call or go online to get these three timely resources that help give needed clarity to questions about the end times. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Will the church go through the tribulation? Revelation for today 
and 25 Messianic signs for today for a gift of $45 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144 or online swrc.com. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.